Hello and welcome to Time for Cakes Now episode 24 with me Bex and me Eason and this is our Time for Cakes Now anniversary spectacular (laughs) (laughs) yes and uh, this is our what are you doing? I think we're going to come with a quip (laughs) Quips, but quips for you, but quips for anyone. Uh, yes, so this is our very delayed anniversary episode to celebrate one year of uh, podcasting because we started sort of around what the beginning of December last year, yeah, with our Doctor Strange episode. Mm, that was a long time ago, yeah, and how things have changed. I know, in retrospect, probably wouldn't have bothered doing an episode on Doctor Strange now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've learned a lot. But we thought it'd be nice, uh, given that we've returned now to a more regular set of podcasts. We started off with one, we ended up doing three. <laughs> We're going to carry on doing three. This is back to the original one. This is OG Cakes and Ale. Mm. Um, we thought it'd be nice just to kind of uh, put out a brief episode to talk about our first full year of podcasting, what we've been up to, our thoughts on the whole operation and what we're going to be doing over the next few months and years <laughs> and millennia <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we're going to talk a bit about some of the highlights of the past year i think stuff that we really loved and also a bit about what it was like to just start a podcast from absolutely nothing yeah i think it's kind of interesting because i think we didn't realize what we were really gonna get into when we started <laughs> doing a podcast we came up with the idea of doing it not podcasting, I'm not going to claim the idea of podcasting, <laughs> um, but, but we thought of starting one sort of maybe mid-2016, hmm. and then it took about six months for us to get our asses in gear and actually bother to do it, and I think it's one of those things that we thought, ah, you know, we'll see what happens, and it's been really fun to kind of have a go at it and find a little bit more out about what we kind of want to talk about i think we knew we wanted to do a podcast we didn't really know where it would take us but we had an idea about the kinds of things we wanted to cover and it's been nice to kind of grow into our own podcast it's kind of found its own identity after a year and i'm not sure what other people who are doing podcasts think but you know it's it's gone to a place that we didn't think it would get to uh, since it first started and it's been really fun just to kind of get into the routine of putting episodes out talking about the things we love in the cakes nail episodes but then having a chance to talk about other things that we really enjoy which have become quite big parts of the cakes nail universe with uh, our twin peak strand and also our baby strand on the prisoner yes we thought it might be fun just to talk for a little bit about what it was like to start the podcast having no real idea of what we were doing (laughs) kind of learning as we went um and how we found it all and you know what people might want to think about if they wanted to do this too Hmm. as we said a bit earlier on we started a year ago with an idea that we wanted to start a podcast that would talk about some of the things that we liked mainly focusing on genre media in the world of comics books films tv and we kind of did stick to that at the beginning for the first few episodes (laughs) (laughs) very early on when we were talking about what kind of podcast we wanted to make i think we both 
really wanted it to be something that just focused on things that we really loved and that we thought were worthwhile talking about and that were worthwhile people hearing about as well. Mm. Which is why over the past 12 months there have been things that we've planned in advance maybe we would talk about and then just thought actually this isn't worth it when when they came up like films that we thought maybe we'll talk about this and then Mm. the film wasn't all that good so we thought right let's not waste an episode on this it's not worth talking about it it's not worth wasting everyone's time about it so we wanted it to be I think predominantly just a very positive thing yeah I think it's nice to talk about things that you like you can sort of criticize them and and analyze them or you know point out their flaws whatever but that's not really what we were getting into it was more that the idea of a podcast to some extent was the chance to maybe connect with people who were kind of along the same wavelengths and they might like similar things or be interested in similar things and i think we wanted to steer away from being stuck talking about things that we didn't really like and occasionally we knew these things might come up but it seemed a bit dull to kind of listen to us rant about how much we didn't like something. <laughs> um, you know, it's, you know, often it's, um, yeah, it's just not something that I think we would want to listen to. And that was one of the major things we thought about when we thought about how we would put together our own podcast. It's, it's remarkable how you get a sense of what you want to do by learning about what you like in other podcasts and what you don't like in other podcasts and it's not really criticism on other podcasts it's more just saying certain aspects you like certain aspects you don't and if you're going to put together your own you can just focus on the things you like and it doesn't really matter if you're podcasting to well probably no one or to (laughs) 10 people or 100 people or a thousand people you know it you know it's more the chance to get out into the world um and hopefully connecting with people who like the same things yeah so we've got a very long list of very bad names that we came up for for the podcast when we were trying to think of a name which i'm not going to read out Mm. um but the name cakes and ale it actually comes from shakespeare from 12th night and it's a reference to um well basically having fun and enjoying yourself and the name Cakes and Ale, unfortunately, we couldn't get on all the social media platforms, which is why it ended up being called Time for Cakes and Ale instead, um, which, of course, then lent itself to twisting into a bit of a Twin Peaksy way mm. later on. And and so we did a lot of this brainstorming before we really recorded anything, um, you know, going around registering everything on every social media site that we could find <laughs> so that we had it all before we launched it. Um, you know, getting the website, the podcast hosting, all that kind of boring stuff out the way first, mm. so that when we actually came to record the first episode, and actually the the very first episode that we recorded, we never actually released. Really? Yeah. We we. Re- <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember that. Do you remember we recorded just as a test to see what it would be like? We recorded an episode all about iZombie. Oh. Yeah, just to see if we could actually coherently ramble into a microphone for a while. <laughs> yes. Um, and did we end up? We ended up doing an iZombie episode later on, anyway. Didn't we, we did, but I remember that initial that initial episode. I remember it now. We were just trying to work out if this idea we had would actually translate into into an actual podcast. My goodness, that was a while ago. Yeah. Because that was like well before we actually started thinking about putting episodes out. It was more this weird testing phase where we thought, 
ah, we're going to do it, we're not going to do it, we're going to do it, we're not going to do it, we're going to do it, we're not going to do it. But uh, my yeah. goodness, yeah. So I, I think we'd just binge watched the first two seasons for the second mm. time or something. Um, and so so somewhere on one of the computers, there's an hour's worth of us rambling on about eyes on yeah. me, uh, which will never see the light of day. <laughs> Uh, unless maybe on our 10th anniversary we'll, we'll release it or something. Yeah, and it was kind of strange because I think it was that probably that made us think, you know what, it doesn't really matter what other people might think of the podcast. <laughs> it was more that as long as we were interested in doing it hmm. and we liked doing it, it was actually quite fun. And, and it's interesting that, you know, over the last year, we have grown. We're still very small, but it's kind of grown. We now have people who listen. So hello, everyone who's listening. Um, and it's nice to kind of have had the chance to, you know, actually do it for a year. It's been, it's a long time, it seems. And I think the big things that have happened along the way have been us probably, again, I mean, in some way, just trying to work out what it is we want to talk about. Because the minute we started doing episodes... We immediately thought, oh, let's do one of that, let's do about that. And it was great. But then you start to think, well, what's our big plan here? We didn't want to be like a review podcast. There are so many really good ones out there. And we and we weren't really sure how we would fit in. And then I think we started to wonder a little bit more about how we could do things a little differently, at least from our perspective. I think that's where we started thinking more about having a more discussion-based uh, podcast about specific genre things so we try and shy away from reviews if we could or use it as a springboard to talk about other aspects of a certain property uh, mainly I think our initial our initial idea was these are the kind of conversations that we'd have you know in the bar at a convention or something <laughs> with people yeah and I think actually the first time that we had a guest on it was uh, when Ro joined us for the episode yeah. about Nightmare and that was really fun yeah. um and it's been great having guests on since then, whether we've been able to get together with people in person or recording things over Skype. And we've we've met loads of people through doing the podcast, which has been great, both the sort of Cakes Now one and the Cherry Pie and Coffee yeah. one, um, and the Tally Ho as well. Uh, so it's it's been really fun for us to make as well as hopefully fun for people to listen to. Yeah, but it is a bit of an effort to make. It's not, I, I mean, we're not complaining about <laughs> it, but it is, it can be really, really tough, I think. Um, I mean, what do you think the average edit time is for, like, per hour of, per hour of podcast, for example? It takes, what, about an hour and a half yeah. to edit it down or something? In the very early days, when I was really obsessively trying to edit it to perfection, I mean, well, not perfection because it's an amateur podcast, isn't it? It's just going to sound like an amateur podcast. But I was trying to edit it um, way too much. It was probably taking me about two and a half hours to edit an hour-long episode. Mm. Um, now it probably takes about the same time as the episode itself to go through and edit. Um, if you can play it on sort of 1.2 speed, basically, mm. while you're editing, so that just listening... Th- to it through doesn't take quite as long as the episode will be but then just trying to get the gaps and the, the pauses and put the transitions in between them and not worrying about every single time one of us says um like, mm-hmm. like I was originally and I think what's interesting is that we started off doing these you know cakes nail episodes but I have to say it was really nice when the new season of Twin Peaks started mm. because we're huge huge Twin Peaks fans 
and we always knew we'd be covering it in some capacity. We knew there were lots of obviously fantastic po um, podcasts out there already that had been running uh, from anywhere between a year to sort of three or four years before we got into Twin Peaks as well from a podcasting perspective. But the nice thing about it was it came at a time when we were really excited about it coming back and it, it provided us with a chance to talk about something really in depth. It was really like the kind of analytical podcast that I think we didn't anticipate we would do um, you know, a year ago simply because there, there wouldn't be many topics I think we could talk about. But having a th something like Twin Peaks come along was really great because it's exactly the kind of show that we just love to talk about anyway. And it also, I suppose, got us into the habit of finding a way to not be so self-conscious about how we came across in terms of over-editing things, but knowing that, you know, we were watching episodes of Twin Peaks at sort of three, four o'clock in the morning when it was airing here in the UK, and then having to put out an episode sort of within 48 hours where we kind of felt that we were talking about the things we wanted to talk about, interacting with uh, the Twin Peaks community as well, getting feedback on things, but actually putting something out that we were happy with as well. But knowing that we were so time limited that we had just get, well, we had to get very, you know, fast at doing things and work out how to how to put out, you know, uh, well, on average two hours, but obviously it ended with a five hour episode. <laughs> um, you know, how we put those episodes out. Um, but it was fun, I think. Yeah, I mean, there were days when, as you say, we'd be watching it at about 3am on a Monday morning. We'd go to sleep, wake up, go to work, come home, watch the episode again, then record a, an episode for about two hours. Mm. And then sometimes we'd even try and edit it the same night mm. and put it out, which was completely insane. Mm. And it would be uploading at about 2am by yeah. that point. And sometimes it would be the next night because it was just too much to record and edit mm. on the same night, especially after having been watching yeah. everything at stupid o'clock in the morning. But it was fun, and I, I think being pushed to have to do an episode every single week, as you say, it just made us a bit less self-conscious about, mm. about what we were doing. And also less worried about the runtime. Because yeah. I remember in the early days, we were you know, really trying to keep episodes down to like 40, 45 minutes. Yeah. And then I remember it was our second Twin Peaks episode. It was about parts three and four. And it was two and a half hours mm. long. And we were like, wow, this is ridiculous. This is an absolutely insane length of a podcast. And little did we know that we'd end up doing that five hours and five yeah. minutes spectacular in the end. Yeah, it was strange because I think it was also nice because we realised that it didn't... Although it was quite intense this summer doing all these Twin Peaks episodes and all the bonus episodes we put out as well, it was strange because it didn't really feel like a chore because all we were really doing was trying to turn the conversation that we would probably be having anyway, <laughs> having watched an episode of Twin Peaks, into a podcast. You know, we were always going to stay up and watch it. We were going to watch it a few times during the week anyway. It was just finding that extra few hours when we could put an episode out and and uh, do that. So it didn't... It was strange. It was, it was very tough. It was actually quite exhausting by the end. Um, but it never felt like a chore because you know i think by the end we would we were just able to kind of sit down and talk at length about everything we thought about 
that week's episode of Twin Peaks. And it's one of those shows which are, which really um, it fosters that level of analysis as well. So it was actually quite fun to do it. But it was only when, I think in the week after our finale episode came out, that was when I realised how intensive it had been, actually. Because it was, what, 16, 17 weeks on the trot. Hmm. And on top of that, we'd done... There was one week we did, like, three episodes yeah. as well. It was crazy. But it was really fun. And it was nice to kind of chat to people um, outside of the podcast as well. We had really great guests on uh, during those episodes. And it was just nice to have a... Well, a, like a real outlet for our thoughts on Twin Peaks that we could share with the world and kind of... Yeah, kind of put something out there and get something back to as well yeah so having slightly madly decided that we were going to do this second podcast time for cherry pie and coffee and having nearly driven ourselves crazy with the artwork for it mm-hmm. um i think to take our cake snail artwork which hello and thank you to andy for making that mm-hmm. um we then tried to make it into the twin peaks artwork uh we then decided while we were doing the twin peaks episodes to do something about the prisoner as well. And we, we even started recording some of the stuff for the Tally Ho while we were doing Twin Peaks stuff. Yeah. Because it was way back in August we started recording some of the interviews. Yeah. So we, we decided to, hey, if we've taken on a second one, why not do a third one? Yeah. <laughs> why not do all the podcasts? But it wasn't, as I remember, it was more that we thought we'd do something for the 50th anniversary. Yeah. Because we're huge, huge prisoner fans. We always have been. And um, if you see us at conventions, it's, it's the one thing that you might see us cosplaying as which is something that i didn't think we'd ever do but it's, it's something that we've ended up doing um and it's strange because as huge prisoner fans we thought wow the 50th anniversary is coming up it's a great time to actually again find another thing to talk about for a couple of weeks maybe we'll do like an episode on on the prisoner and yeah and doing those episodes was kind of enlightening because we realized that because they were celebratory episodes i suppose for the 50th anniversary we weren't that focused on talking about the episodes and what's happened in it. We, we just wanted to um, share our interest in The Prisoner with everyone by talking to people who were huge in sort of prisoner fandom circles. And it was actually quite interesting and uh, really fun, actually, to get in touch with people and find out how responsive they were in a positive sense to us getting in touch and talking about their roles in the in the history of the prisoner because i mean more than anything it was great that people loved the episodes that was really nice we got so much feedback about it but on a personal level it was actually quite fun to record them to actually have the chance to uh, talk to all these people who were involved in the show and well in its various iterations and i think aside from the very focused twin peaks and prisoner stuff that we've been doing it's been really interesting putting out the cakes and earl episodes and just seeing what kind of subjects people are interested in and uh, what subjects they're really not interested in in terms of some of the episodes that almost no one listened to, which was quite interesting. But ultimately, as long as we were having fun recording the episodes, Mm. then hopefully other people would have fun listening to them. Yeah, I think it was interesting to try different things. It wasn't ever intentional to try and sort of do different topics, but... You know, for example, I think when we did the like the G versus E episode, mm. that was just because it was a show that we knew about, and we thought it's one of those things which is it never really had that kind of reappraisal where it, where, it, where it, it was never out on DVD afterwards. 
very few people who who didn't watch it live when it was on ever ever heard about it but it was a really good show yeah the strange thing is when we met you were literally the only other person i've ever met who had watched the show it was it was very very strange um so looking back on it now Mm. it's one of those shows where if if you couldn't go out and actually find evidence of it existing you would start to think that you had imagined it yeah it is the the Shazam of TV shows. <laughs> but it was real. It was real. It but happened. It was, but that was the thing. It was It was nice to talk about something that, you know, regardless of whether, ever, well, anyone else cared, it was nice to talk <laughs> about something and have it on record that, you know, it was a show that we remembered, we loved, and maybe the other people who did like it who were out there. And we did find those people. We did find those people. All ten of them. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, that, but that's one of the things, I think, that it's been... Interesting to cover topics, like you say, that have been more popular than others or less popular than others and actually look back at it afterwards and, and you can try and figure it out. But ultimately, as long as we're happy putting the episodes out, we really don't care. <laughs> um, it's probably not the best thing to do if you're trying to run a successful podcast. But... <laughs> well, I think so far there's only been one episode planned that we've just canned on the basis that we didn't think anyone would be interested. Which one was that? Oh, I don't want to say in case we would do it one day. <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah, we, we might as well end up doing it. There have been episodes that we've planned that we've canned because the the whatever it was we were going to talk about turned out to not be very good. Oh, we, the Dark Tower movie. Bothered, yeah. Um, but we we were going to do a comic book related episode. I can't do it. And then we didn't do it because the film related episode about the same thing. Uh, literally, no one listened to it. <laughs> oh, I remember that. I remember that, that was a terrible <laughs> idea. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah, but uh, it's but who, strange. That was that was a strange one. But who knows? If we run out of ideas a year from now, we might end up doing it anyway. Yeah, all three hundred of them. Yeah, it's <laughs> a bit of a hint there. It was it was that was that was a strange experience. We honestly, it was the first time I think we thought people might listen to a specific one, and uh, we missed the mark spectacularly. <laughs> um, yeah, because obviously through a podcast host, you can get numbers in terms of how many people are downloading episodes, how many are streaming them hmm. off the web player, things like that. So so although the numbers are never really exact because it's all sorts of issues about RSS requests and you, you can never actually know what the real numbers are because they get a bit inflated. But you can still tell the difference between episodes that are doing well and episodes that aren't because you know, sometimes there's an order of magnitude difference between yeah. <laughs> who's listening to them. So... Uh, it's also been kind of interesting looking at the subjects where people are more likely to download an episode and subjects where people are more likely to play the episode off the web player on yeah. their computer. Um, that was very enlightening <laughs> when we started seeing a certain subject with an awful lot of people playing it on their computers on the web player. Yeah, it's very, yeah, it's, I'm sure, I'm sure somebody's written a paper on this or something like that, but it's, it's interesting to, to get a sense of how people access podcasts. Um and it also made us realise with some of the topics we've been covering, we've realised that to some people podcasts are obvious things. You know, everyone you know, it's something that they listen to, or they think the way to work, this whatever. To other people, they are completely new as an entity. And it's mm. been really interesting to get a sense of that as well. There's definitely yeah. a, a demographic difference in terms of how people are accessing them and how people are playing them. Yeah. 
which you can see when there are episodes that have a, a different demographic listening to them. Yeah, we 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 assume they are anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's definitely been an adventure, and looking forward to the coming year, and thinking about the new episodes that we're going to be doing. Obviously, not just the Cakes and Ale episodes, but new Terrapan Coffee and Telly episodes mm. as well. And sort of planning what we're going to be doing, who we're going to be talking to. It's There's exciting things that we're hopefully going to be doing over the next 12 months as well. Yeah. I mean, we've got some... So so what we've already talked about is, um, if you listen to them in the, in the Tally Ho episodes about The Prisoner, is that we'll be going episode by episode next year. Now, they're not going to be super regular. They're not going to be sort of week by week. I think that would mean that we wouldn't get any other episodes out. It takes a lot of, <laughs> it, it takes a lot of time to, to get them together. So we're hoping to get those out probably every two weeks, I think, if we can. Um, you know, it's a show which has been around forever. It's already been spoiled. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it'll it be more of a chance for us to, um, again, a, a bit like Twin Peaks, have the chance to reach out to the prisoner fandom a little bit more. Um, and also share our love of the show but discuss it with people who are much much bigger fans of it uh that we can ever hope to be i think and get their insights into it and we've already had a taste of that but it's really exciting to find out i think um you know not from the fifth anniversary thing where it was very much a chance to talk about the impact of the show and things but actually to go back into some of these episodes and realize how uh how current they all are um, yeah. I mean, it's a timeless it really is a timeless show i think and it's and it's an interesting time to be going back to i think the prisoner uh in light of the world as it is at the moment yeah it it's a show that despite being 50 years old was very prescient both politically and socially and yeah. i think it's going to be interesting looking at some of the specific episodes that have really interesting um kind of philosophical and social ideas mm. in them and actually looking at them now through the lens of 50 years later um have, has anybody learned from any of it not really <laughs> apparently not yeah <laughs> but also it's a good time because the blu-rays are out they've been out for a while but they reissued them very recently for the 50th anniversary and the show has just never looked better yeah it, it looks absolutely remarkable now looking at the, all the remastered blu-ray mm. stuff it, it's beautiful yeah and so we have we have some interesting stuff that's gonna be happening with the episodes I don't, we can't really talk about it but we also have another interview which is planned for the first couple of months of the year probably hopefully mm. i don't know i yeah it feels weird because i'm not sure you know some of these things don't don't ultimately work out but hopefully this one will um but we've got a really interesting interview coming up uh which we're hoping to record in january and i think that'll be a, a very interesting perspective on the prisoner um and it is it giving too much away to say that it vaguely ties in with some of our other interests it vaguely ties in with some of our other interests i'll yeah. say um so we've got another uh thing that we'll be definitely doing that's brand new for our twin Peaks stream cherry pie and coffee that we'll talk about at a later date because again i don't want to jinx it in case it in case anything comes up that means that it gets delayed or we can't do anything um but yeah i think following the model of our cherry pie and coffee episodes um you know, I don't think we're going to go into every different strand of media um, that exists in the world of the prisoner. I mean, that's, that, that, that's not really that interesting, I think, to us to kind of cover it like that. But it will be cool because the comics are, are being reissued. The original mm -hmm. Jack Kirby um, prisoner adaptation is coming out. Uh, Titan have a new series coming out as well. And we'd love to 
do a bit of coverage on that as well. We'll be talking about that and to some of the people involved with that as well, hopefully. Um, but in terms of the cherry pie and coffee stuff, I mean, there are, well, our own missing pieces from our coverage of Twin Peaks. <laughs> um, I mean, how do you feel about it? Because I think I was really happy with the episodes we put out over the over the uh, the return or season three or the limited event series or whatever it's called. Um but it's been tough to sit down and go back to start talking about the final dossier and things like that. Yeah, I think, to be honest, that last episode that we did took an awful lot yeah. out of us. Um, it, it, it was a, it was a genuinely remarkable experience watching the show. Um, obviously, there'll the, be people listening to this who haven't seen The Return yet, or maybe haven't seen any Twin Peaks yet. Um, and and we'll, we'll talk a bit more about The Return later, but... It, it was a, a genuinely remarkable cultural milestone, or even a TV milestone, mm-hmm. but an incredible, incredible thing. And it, it was it was strange enough to experience as it was without also then spending, you know, every night of the week sitting down and trying to analyse and think yeah. and podcasting about it. And it just completely absorbed our lives for yeah. several months. And then when that final five-hour episode went out, I think we both just felt exhausted yeah. and we needed a bit of a break. And it's actually been really nice in November doing all these interview podcasts with writers and editors and people yeah. like that, just talking about other stuff entirely, just to take a bit of a step back from it, let it breathe for a little bit. Yeah. I, th- I think it, it will be fun to maybe do an episode about the final dossier. Strangely, we did an episode about the secret history of Twin Peaks, mm. but it was a Cakes and Ale episode because yeah. we hadn't, it was like episode three or something yeah, like that. Yeah. We hadn't started Cherry Pie and Coffee back then. Um, so I think that would be fun. There's some other ideas that we've got for other episodes. Yeah. It's more, I think, that the the show... Well, our episodes about the show when it was on were time-sensitive. But I think things like the final dossier, um, even coverage of the Blu-rays and everything that's going to come out on those, I mean, I think the two things that I've been kind of mindful of are the fact that, you know these things take time to digest um and also not everyone has got access to the final dossier yet not everyone has got the blu-rays yet and it seemed odd to rush into it just for the sake of doing it uh whereas i mean we came to the secret history of twin peaks you know a couple of months probably after the book was out but even that Mm. seemed like it was too soon i mean that was a an epic tome to go through (laughs) in in an hour or so um but i think the problem with some of the Twin Peaks stuff is that uh, it does take time to digest. And I think it just didn't feel right to put out an episode. As much as we really wanted to, we just didn't have it in us think, <laughs> uh, to talk about, you know, the final dossier. Because I think the thoughts are still percolating on it a little bit. Yeah. And it's rare, I think, we're going to have topics like that where we can leave it that long. And I think I would... I would have felt uncomfortable doing that a year ago, you know, coming back to come back, you know, coming back to a topic after a long gap. But hopefully people are still with us and, you know, you can just check your feed. And if you don't, if you don't like what's in that episode, just don't listen to it. Um, but, <laughs> but the cherry pie and coffee ones will always keep popping up now and again. Uh, but I think we want to do something a little bit more unique with them as well. I think uh, maybe actually, you know, analyze Twin Peaks or discuss it with the benefit of hindsight, have some chance to digest it and think about some things first. 
Yeah. Sometimes you have to let it percolate. Yeah. But then sometimes there's a fish in the percolator. <laughs> How long were you thinking of that for? <laughs> so just to round off our first year anniversary spectacular. <laughs> Less than spectacular. <laughs> We thought we could maybe inaugurate the uh, Time for Cakes Nail Cakey Awards for uh, 2017. First I've heard of it. <laughs> Basically, just uh, giving out uh, honorary medals to um, <laughs> stuff that we loved from the past 12 months. Yeah. And, it, and so I think, I mean, it's more just a chance, I think, to talk about the things that we've, uh, we've enjoyed. And uh, some of it's old, some of it's new. Uh, I think we'll try and focus on things which are relatively new. Yeah. Um, but we might come up with things where we're like, oh, this is really cool, and then realise it came out like 10 years ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's more, it's not really a recommendation this, but it's, some, it's a chance to talk about very briefly uh, some of the things we've loved over the last year. And then we can always kind of look back on it and see how our tastes evolve. Mm. Um, and of course, if you have ideas about what you what have been your highlights of the year, in any forms of media um, we'd be really interested to hear about it as well actually because it's interesting at this point when people start producing lists of things yeah um, which i think is kind of pointless a lot of the time but it's it makes you think actually no matter how much tv we watch there's always more tv no matter how many books we read there's always more books no matter how many comics we read there's there's still you know a hundred times that number of comics coming out every week and, and we just can't keep track of it all so we've kind of tried to talk about i suppose some of the things that have affected us the most that we've really enjoyed they might be things that you've thought of that you've read that you've seen some of them might be new yeah one of them is going to be incredibly obvious <laughs> should we just should we just start there yeah i think i think twin peaks are return it's <laughs> been circling back around again we don't get very far from that topic at the moment yeah i think it's just been the best the best thing on tv this year uh, and uh, probably of most years. <laughs> so th- this is going to be what, a non-spoilery for people who haven't seen Twin Peaks Return yet. Mm. We're not going to spoil anything in talking about how awesome it is and how everyone should go and see it immediately. Yeah, it's just, I think it's it's just been much more than I could ever have hoped for. And I think it's challenged the way that I've just looked at all other forms of entertainment. <laughs> I'm not sure what what everyone else has felt, but post Twin Peaks, even during Twin Peaks, it was very hard to watch anything else. Everything else just seemed so mundane and half-assed. <laughs> yeah, but it, we didn't really know what to expect when it began. We certainly could never have expected what we got. Um, it it was wonderful in that we knew so little about it. Hmm. You know, for, for all the hype that existed about it, there was n- nothing leaked, really, except for a couple of pictures, but for most part, people were really, really good about not mm. sharing stuff, um, compared to, you know, some other fandoms where every other thing that gets filmed on location seems to get spoiled mm. immediately. And the advertising for it was so careful about not really giving anything away, so that when we sat down to watch those first two episodes... We just had no no clue at all what we were going to get. I mean, all we had really was a cast list, but we didn't know who everyone was playing necessarily. Mm. And we knew how long it was going to be, and mm. that was about it. Yeah, I think 
it'll be interesting to see if anyone's able to adopt that strategy. I think I think we're going to see a lot of imitations of Twin Peaks over the next few years. People trying to make deliberately weird things. It's always a response to to Lynch material anyway. People try and make weird things for the sake of it and hope that people go, oh, this is a new Twin Peaks and it just won't happen. Wild Palms, the return. <laughs> Jim Belushi again. You should surprise that, yeah. Um, but I think the, the other aspect of it that I think is quite important that you brought up was, you know, this idea that uh, you know, a vast number of shows would be much improved by not having so much spoiler leakage all over the place. I mean, maybe, <laughs> so maybe, you know, a lot of shows would just be improved, I think, if we didn't know much about them. And I remember growing up, we didn't know much about things. The only, I mean, things used to leak because here in the UK, they were often airing, if they're American shows, it aired a year afterwards. Hmm. Uh, you'd be like a season behind. So eventually things would filter through, but there wasn't like an internet in place that would leak that much in, um, information. But now you just know everything about everything if you know where to look. And sometimes even if you are trying to avoid it, it's very hard to to kind of, you know, stay out of the way of spoilers. Um, and with Twin Peaks, you could do what you wanted, but very little leaked. And it was nice that the fandom kept the, kept the, uh, kept the secrets, kept the mystery alive. Hmm. And if other shows did the same thing it would be really nice to actually what you know really go into shows without knowing anything about them yeah I, I mean sometimes they're even guilty of shooting themselves in the foot by putting everything in the trailer yeah um i mean i got i wrote an incredibly long ranty blog post about this a while back mm. but but the, the inability of doctor who to keep anything secret at all to the point where they just put openly put twists in trailers mm. that air at the end of the previous episode that it's so hard to avoid. Mm. They put them on the front of the Radio Times. You can't walk into a news agent without mm. having things spoiled. Just looking around you, it's absolutely insane that you have, you know, a, a, a bunch of artists working so hard to create something that has, you know, menace and mystery in it, and then you tell everybody what it is before they actually get to see the the product. It must be so frustrating yeah. for some of the people involved. Because you you just think what's what's the point? What, what's the point in ramping up tension when yeah. the audience has already been explicitly told what's coming at, at yeah. the end of an episode? And and it, it contrasts so much to how I remember Doctor Who when I was a kid. I'm, I'm gonna stop talking about this now. Or I'll go on. I'll just be going on about it for ages. But I, I I just remember cliffhangers where I had no clue what was going to happen next. And now it feels like everything's been laid out in exquisite detail before a season even begins. Mm. But, you know, new showrunner coming soon, new Doctor, let's see what happens. Yeah, I think it'd be kind of exciting. I, I'm I'm actually quite eager to go back full throttle into Doctor Who now. Because mm. I think it's it's worth it's worth re-engaging with. It won't feel as much of a slog. Unless, you know, a season in, it might get really annoying again, I don't know. <laughs> but it'd be, but it, it, it feels like it could be a, a, you know, a fresher take on things. And I think it's kind of exciting. Yeah. But with, with Twin Peaks The Return... You would just end every episode feeling gobsmacked, and we would look at each other and just be like, "What? What the hell have we just watched?" Yeah. Week after week after week, it never ceased to surprise and amaze, just in in the audacity of what they were doing with some episodes. Mm. Um, I mean, everyone talks about part eight. We're not going to see what happens in mm. part eight, but I every time I watch it, I'm astonished that that got made and aired on. You know, okay, it's cable TV, not network TV, yeah. but still mainstream television. Yeah, and no one had a clue that that was going to just t- be on television. <laughs> you know, it was weird. I remember sitting there. There was obviously the hype around it 
coming out and everyone was like what's going to be funny about this episode it was already you know, everyone knew the series was special anyway in the first in the first few weeks but there was something that they, there was rumbling that part eight would be you know unusual for, for other reasons and i think it just blew everyone away and i think it showed how brave you can be on television when you're making stuff it shows that you shouldn't be lazy you should you shouldn't assume that uh you know people want everything spoon-fed to them you can take risks you can do interesting things and i think those are the messages which i hope are copied i think i want people to uh not to make more twin peaks but uh learn some lessons from it like you know make make good television <laughs> do your best that kind of thing it's you know it's a just not being lazy would be really nice to see in a few in a few shows that are currently on and, and new things that are coming out as well yeah like like the the extent of a, a genre show's ambition should not just be one day we're going to do a musical episode yeah. you know it's it it's just taking those risks and and also allowing the artists who make shows like this the space to breathe and actually make mm. something like that without someone constantly looking over their shoulder asking why it's not fitting mm. into this little box here which is how we're going to mm. package it and market it and you know it, it's not always going to be successful but every time there's a a generic cop show or you know a kind of supernatural drama show or something like that that gets made that fails people don't throw their hands in the air and say oh well no one wants these shows anymore let's stop making them they just keep making yeah. them over and over again and some of them take and some of them don't and yeah and i think now with all these outlets for putting things on tv that they are just trying to fill up schedules and so much stuff here is just going straight to netflix now yeah um, I, I think lots of shows which are probably airing on normal tv in the US or on minor channels here in the UK, they go straight to Netflix and there is a place for them. And, you know, there's just seemingly no end. Of it. <laughs> um, and so it's becoming harder, actually. I mean, there's there's so much more stuff on television. There's a lot of really good stuff on television, uh, but it is really hard to find. Um, I think we should segue a little bit into uh, some of the other things that we've been discovering recently as well, because we have spent, uh, I don't know, probably about, well, Certainly longer than the eighteen hours of Twin Peaks talking about Twin Peaks in our episodes, but <laughs> yeah. probably probably close to thirty hours or something like that talking about it at this point. Um, and five of those were just the finale. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but what have been your other sort of TV or basically Netflix highlights? As well? <laughs> yeah, well, Netflix has been just an absolute godsend this year because it, it seems to me that there's a lot of shows which might once have been picked up by a channel over here like channel four or something who, who used to be a lot better about sh bringing shows in from overseas particularly more unusual shows and showing them but now they they don't really seem to do it i mean the bbc have never done it that much they show some of the like scandinavian noir crime stuff on bbc four but channel four don't seem to do it anymore and sky seem to only go for the really big shiny kind of blockbustery shows so netflix has been wonderful in terms of picking up odd shows that maybe don't fit an obvious mold but they've obviously got the data that's showing people are watching them <laughs> so so they're going for it um so there have been two things on netflix this year that that i'm really loving one is something that i've been wanting to watch for a year because it actually started in the us last year that's the good place mm. i wanted to watch it as soon as i heard uh of the cast basically um, Kristen Bell and Ted Danson I thought 
yeah, and some of the people behind Parks and Rec, this mm. has got to be good. But it didn't get picked up by any of the main channels over here. Mm. So we only got it a few weeks ago on Netflix, where we got season one and two all in one go. And you've already watched them all repeatedly, multiple times. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> Well, season two. Well, season two. We're halfway through. Aren't yeah. we? Cause it's on break. It's not right. actually the end of season two. Um, but I, I have watched them on multiple times. I just love it. Mm. It's it's so funny. It's really clever. There's wonderful twists and turns in it that I won't get into for anyone who hasn't no. watched it yet. Um, but it's it's not just a really genuinely funny show with a great cast. It's a really genuinely clever show, mm. and it's a show that isn't afraid of asking its audience to keep up with twists and turns or with crazy philosophical ideas. Mm. Um, it's, it's a show that is very sneakily teaching you as you're watching it and you don't realise until you've finished. And suddenly you're you know wandering around the supermarket and you start thinking about Kant or... And you think, where did this come from? Like, oh yeah, I was watching The Good Place last night. <laughs> it's, it's bizarre. Bizarre. I mean, it is... It's, it's interesting because I think it's, you know... It is a comedy, but it's not one that resets to kind of a, you know, a sitcom trope of the week kind of thing. It has got it has got a plot, and I think your enjoyment of it will depend on how much you buy into the premise. Mm. Um, but it is really fun. Um, I think it's. I mean, you've certainly taken to it. I've watched it once. I, you know, I enjoyed it, but I think uh, I'm kind of waiting to see where it goes. I, like, like to me, it doesn't have. The immense rewatchability that it seems to have to you. I mean, certainly, I I can rewatch Parks and Rec over and over again. Uh, the Good Place, I can watch it and I really enjoy it, but I'm kind of eager to see where it goes rather than go back and, and keep watching it. That's what you know. It's kind of it's a tough one for me to rewatch. I want to need, you know, I want to know where it's going. It's getting quite confusing to keep watching the same ones again. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it it shows again that there is scope to do decent comedy on television. Mm. Um, I mean, the one thing that, that came back this year that I really enjoyed was Kirby Enthusiasm. Mm. Uh, after a long, long time, I mean, it's, it's you know the last few seasons were a bit hit and miss, but to be honest, there are it's still one of those shows which I can put on and I'll always find something to laugh at in it. You know, it it sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it can be a bit too silly, sometimes it can be a bit too arch for its own good. But I've enjoyed seeing that come back for its recent series, and um, again, I mean there was such a big fanfare when that came back after several years of apparently, you know, being off air and maybe being, you know, cancelled in some capacity. But uh, it has been the year of the revival. Mm. Um, and some of them have worked, some of them haven't. Um, uh, I mean, for example, I think next, beginning of next year, the X-Files is coming back. And I was a huge X-Files fan. Huge when it was on originally. And I really hated the uh, the uh, uh, miniseries when it came back last, was it last year? Maybe I think it was yeah. last year, yeah. And it's coming back, and I just—I mean, to be honest, I've seen what shows can do when they do come back, um, and I just can't imagine the X Files working, you know, for example. So it's kind of nice to find new things, and I think the Good Place is one of those things. It kind of—it it does fill the parks and whole gap uh, in our lives, I think, for that kind of thing. Yeah, we—we um, we, we should maybe explain what it's about. <laughs> a bit rather than just it's great mm. um uh Kristen bell plays this um very selfish slightly obnoxious woman who dies and finds herself in the afterlife 
and she's in this little kind of uh, beautiful heavenly village that's been orchestrated and being run by um, Ted Danson's character who's this sort of immortal being and they're in the good place but she very quickly realises that it's been a, a case of mistaken identity and she's not supposed to be there so everyone around her as you know wonderful people who saved lives or you know changed society in some way or did brilliant things with their lives and she's been sent there by mistake and she has to try and navigate her way through the afterlife without being discovered and sent to the bad place yeah. but giving it i think saying anymore gives gives too much away yeah yeah no, but I mean, that's, yeah that's that's you know the first episode that's what you're going to get yeah but yeah beyond that you just have to watch it and see where it goes because yeah. it's a really wonderful show and what was it they're kind of half seasons aren't they it's like 13 episodes or something in the first yeah. season i presume this one might be a similar one because it's on a mid-season break after after seven episodes so yeah uh, but it's a no it's a it's a very original show um and original is what we like mm. and it's been renewed for a third season already yeah mm, yeah cool. so okay. good news yeah the other one that uh, I think you've been watching, I I get updates on it and I'm intrigued about it, but <laughs> I have no. I think I'll watch it when it's done. Yeah. Is uh, the Korean drama Black? Yeah. So this is another sort of supernatural mystery drama. Um, it's Korean. It's with subtitles. Basically, one of the reasons why I love it is because it keeps twisting my expectations for how a show is going to go so again to give you the first episode premise there's this woman who can see shadows following people around in the days before they're going to die and she's been able to do this ever since she was a little kid and some people think that she's cursed she sometimes feels like she's cursed to be able to do this if she touches the shadow, she gets a vision of how the person is going to die. And for a long time, she's just tried to keep herself to herself. She wears sunglasses out in public so that she can't even see the shadows anymore, basically. She's just tried to hide away from the whole thing. And in, in the first episode, she gets mixed up with this slightly goofy policeman who discovers that she has this ability. And this is the point where if you were pitching just a regular kind of, you know, prime time, normal show that was going to go out in Britain or the US or wherever, you would think, I know exactly where this is going to go. You've got the classic combination of the cop plus the non-cop who has a strange power and they're going to go around and they're going to solve crimes every week and there's going to be a, you know, a, a death to prevent of the week and there's going to be an overarching storyline and this is how it's going Yeah, it's nothing like that. It's nothing like you think it's going to be. And if you watch the first episode, you'll realise by the end of the first episode that this is not the show you think it's going to be when you first see the premise. And I think it says something about how ubiquitous those kind of shows are, that you assume that that's the show it's going to be yeah. when it first begins. There are so many shows out there, the cop plus the non-cop with the strange power. Um, sometimes it isn't even a strange power it's just a strange job mm. I mean you know Castle was the most ridiculous one yeah. uh, but it's yeah it, it goes in directions that you will not expect yeah. and I'm not going to spoil it by talking about anything beyond episode one 
But in episode two, I was very confused watching it. And then by episode three, I started to get a hand on what was happening. Mm. Um, it's a bit slow burn. It, it is very slow burn. And it's almost binge-proof television. Mm. Um, it's, it's currently airing in Korea at the moment. So the episodes are going up weekly. And uh, I think there are maybe, what, eight or nine episodes up? Mm. And I'm on episode six. But I actually don't feel like I want to watch more than one a week. Yeah. It actually feels really nicely paced to sit down once a week and watch an episode. It, and it's it's actually because it's so interesting and you're, you're concentrating a lot on what's happening and you have to concentrate a bit harder because it's subtitled. You can't let it fade into the background. Like some of the shows we've watched this year where you, you watch them in practically a weekend mm. um, and you just binge the whole thing. Sometimes they just fade into the background while you're doing other things mm. and you don't really have to pay so much attention to them. They mm. just kind of wash over you. But this won't do that. This you have to keep up with. Because there's so many different strands going on. You can't take your eye off the ball. Um, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what some of the strands are going on, what they mean. Um, but I'm really enjoying it. And I'm really enjoying it being a weekly thing that I can sit down mm. and watch. And I, I don't know if it's going to be a one season thing or if it's going to come back. But it's got some really wonderful characters. Um, the, the main woman is great. Um, it's it's worth it's definitely worth giving the first sort of three episodes a shot, and by the end of episode three, once you start to realise what's really going on, mm. um, you'll know whether or not you wanna you wanna keep up with it. Mm. But I, I'm really enjoying it, and it's it's just completely different to other genre shows that might use the same tropes in an otherwise very standard way. This uses them in a completely new way. Yeah, I think Netflix has also produced uh, a lot of rubbish this year as well. <laughs> uh, the things I, I mean, because I, I was looking at our list of what we we're going to talk about as well that we really liked, and I thought, oh, it's actually quite interesting because we, you know, we thought of Wonder Woman and yeah. Spider Man Homecoming as two mm-hmm. films we really enjoyed this year. Um, one DC, one uh, Marvel. Yeah. Uh, and I think Wonder Woman. I mean, we've spoken about that in an episode, fantastic. Watched it again, brilliant movie. Spider-Man, we only watched it recently, um, but really enjoyed it. It was, a, it was a really nice take on things. The only problem with that film was probably the uh, the presence of Iron Man throughout the whole thing. Mm. So getting bored with. But as a movie, it was a really good Spider-Man movie. Great Peter Parkerness to it all. Very comic book feel to it. And the real contrast to that, I think, was with... You know, with the this whole thing about cinematic universes and all this nonsense happening, I was actually quite s- surprised um, at how I think the Marvel Netflix stuff just fell flat for me this year. Mm. Um, I felt that I don't know. I just I just wasn't getting it at all. I think it started with Iron Fist, and I just didn't enjoy that at all. Uh, the Punisher most recently, I just found it just very dull and very violent without any point to it really the defenders was just a non-event for me and it was kind of it was a bit strange i kind of i got through them but at the same time they 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 lacked the uh well to me they lacked the entertainment value that the other things actually had Mm. and it was a strange thing to suddenly be in a position where you know it's a weird situation when 
DC has produced one good movie this year. Admittedly, it's all gone wrong now with uh, with uh, <laughs> Justice League. Um, but uh, DC produced a really good movie. Marvel produced a couple of really good ones. I mean, I think uh, Thor Ragnarok was really good as well. But again, both Thor and Spider-Man, I think, were pretty atypical by the Marvel standards. Whereas Marvel Netflix shows, they have now become this universe they obviously had the big team up with the defenders and i just i just wasn't feeling it and if you don't buy into it it's very hard to stick with it i think um but i know lots of people love those series um and it's strange because i don't really like them i still watch them and if there are more marvel netflix shows i will watch those as well i don't know um and the other thing i think was a bit disappointing this year also was stranger things yeah it it just felt like a bit of kind of more of the same really um it felt a bit like it was being shoved down our throats uh and i think you know we tried to re-watch stranger things before the new season started and i watched it but i didn't have the same level of excitement that i had when i first binge watched season one that first weekend when it was out last year Mm. and we binge watched it again this year maybe that's a mistake as well you know you kind of you know you have it in front of you so you do watch it all I just felt it was, it was just a bit, it was like going through the motions, putting nods to this, that, and I didn't think the overarching plot was particularly interesting. I felt the characters were kept apart a little bit too long. I didn't like a lot of the characterization in this. I had a lot of problems with the way some of the, some of the new characters were, um, you know, portrayed, how they were brought in, how they essentially served no purpose other than just to be a trope, and they didn't even bother trying to play with it at all it was just it seemed a bit weird it was a bit of a lazy entry into it and i but i get the sense that it was you know maybe that's the problem with the marvel netflix shows as well i think the pressure to put on a show every year um it does result in a bit of a loss of quality and i think it's only because there's so much good stuff on that sometimes when you see something which is not as good it suddenly seemed a lot worse than it actually is whereas in any other year it would actually be um you know you know really good piece of television i I think stranger things 2 if that come out as stranger things 1 it'd be fantastic but i didn't feel it added anything in stranger things 2 uh so i think some of these things start to tread water but it's interesting that shows like that they often tread water for a season before either picking up or just disappearing (laughs) so hopefully it'll be the former Hmm. so Speaking of slightly disappointing new entries in the series, what did you make of season three of Eyes Only? Ooh. I mean, we put an episode out, didn't we, about Eyes Zombie just before season three started. Yeah. And I was really excited. I love Eyes Zombie. Um, seasons one or two are just absolutely fantastic. In fact, I think that they, you know, the episodes just consistently get better. I love season two. Um, season three, I was I was really looking forward to. Uh, the problem I had with it, um, I and we rewatched it many times since actually, and I still can't get my head around it. Is I think that it went a bit season four of Buffy. Yeah. You know, the minute you have too many external forces, they, they they always do this thing where they dump in a huge number of new characters and they they change the dynamic a little bit. It's always, it always involves a situation where what is a secret amongst a group of friends becomes wider knowledge. It's very hard to execute that in a genre show very well. In this instance, I think that there were elements 
of iZombie Season 3 that I really liked. Um, it certainly picked up as the season went on, but I felt that the first two-thirds of the season could have been compacted into uh, a couple of episodes in some way. Um, I think the last few episodes were, uh, you know, were quite good, but it could have just maybe just skipped forward in time and had, uh, you know, it could have just started actually you know two-thirds of the way into the season and just done 10 episodes then and actually fleshed out that storyline a little bit more and i don't want to give too much away by by talking about it like that but it was you know it was good but it wasn't up to the usual standard but, but that's maybe because i zombie seasons one or two are so good yeah while we're here if you were um listening to the episode we did about i zombie before you'll know that there was a big Secret. Well, can we say what it was the end of season two? Yeah, we can. Okay. Basically, uh, whether or not Blaine had really lost his memory or whether he was faking his amnesia. Yeah. And we both wrote down our answers, and I have them both here mm. that we can open. I don't know if we've got them the right way around, but we're going to find out. He is faking. He wrote down no, but I don't know what the, how we phrased the question. <laughs> So, 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 so your answer is pretty clear, which is yes, he is faking his amnesia. Uh, I wrote no down. Uh, that could have even been a paper in response to some other question. I honestly don't know. Oh, it's upside down. It hits his own. Well, that went well. Uh, yeah, but, but in essence, it was interesting that, uh, that, that whether you went for yes or no, they were both kind of correct and both wrong at the same time. Because I, I don't know if the question was... Has he lost his memory, or is he faking? Or I think it was. Uh, <laughs> has he lost his memory? I think it was something like that. I don't know anymore. Well, he did, and then he didn't. So yeah, yeah. That was a non-event. <laughs> what was more intriguing was was whether the answer to the question was on no, and indeed what the question was. <laughs> I thought oh, it's a it's a doodle of uh, a little dude sitting in a chair, whatever. <laughs> Moving right. on. Yes. What else have you enjoyed this year? Comics. Let's go to comics. Yeah. Granville. Mm-hmm. Granville. Granville. <laughs> Granville. I'll just keep saying it over and over again. If you haven't read it, Granville uh, is a wonderful series by Brian Talbot, which came to an end uh, last month, actually. Uh, was it five or six volumes? Five volumes, I think. And, uh, yeah, written, drawn, coloured, Everything by Brian Talbot, one of the sort of godfathers of um, the British comic scene, and it's a wonderfully funny, absurd, slightly steampunk look at an alternate universe where there's lots of anthropomorphized animals running around doing things. There's a, there's always um, the main character, Inspector LeBrock, is a uh, is a badger uh, who. Uh, is always tasked with each in each storyline with um, solving some crime. It can be sort of it ranges from like a murder mystery sometimes to domestic terrorism. It covers all kinds of different things. Um, it's extremely funny. It's very well thought out. It's full of nods to so many other aspects of literature and comic books. And I think to me it's kind of like you know how Alan Moore does a similar kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this I just find a little bit more interesting. I think it's not as it's not as uh, deliberately obtuse <laughs> as Alan Moore can sometimes be if you're not like really into everything that's ever been written, read, or you know. I mean, this is like 
it's stuff that you can get it but it's it it's nice because it it works on the level of being the series granville which is a city where a lot of it is set um but you can get so many other things out of it by reading uh sections of it again and looking what's going on in the background and seeing nods to this and that and it's a very accessible series it's it's you know it's come to an end at its peak it was planned for you know this number of volumes it's ended and it's absolutely fantastic and i would heartily recommend it to anyone who is looking to pick up a completed graphic novel series because they are hard to come by now the only other things that we've been reading we've kind of spoken about i suppose in our comic book episodes earlier in the year so um paper girls are still fantastic uh saga again i mean they're ones which are very very well known but they are really great great ongoing comics um and i think what we what we should do is probably in the new year do an episode which talks about like we did earlier this year some of the graphic novels and things that we've been reading because i think we're finding it harder and harder to find interesting ongoing series mm. but there are some fantastic graphic novels coming out um a lot of them from indie presses and i think uh it'd be good to kind of go through some of the things that we've been reading but we tend to get a lot of those towards the end of the year anyway um so pretty get them over christmas and then we'll read them and let you know what we think about them in the new year mm. so one for you i think yeah video game <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, I was trying to think about what my favourite game that I've played this year might be. Mm. And my head says it's The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. But my heart says that it's Hamster Restaurant. <laughs> Controversial. Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the Switch came out um, towards the start of the year. It's absolutely wonderful. The new Zelda game... Breath of the Wild. Um, there's not a lot that I can add that hasn't already been said about it in pretty much every game of the year list that's come mm. out so far this year. It's it's really breathtaking. It's it's absolutely huge. I've already spent a long time playing it, and I'm I haven't even really scratched the surface of some of the elements of it. If if you really are determined to get all nine hundred Korok seeds, then good luck to you. I'm trying to do the same thing. Um, it's such a beautiful world to spend time in what i enjoy more than progressing the storyline or anything else is just exploring hyrule um it's absolutely gorgeous i do sometimes miss some of the classic zelda music they've made the music much more sort of minimalist in this um what i found is that if you if you get a horse and start riding on some of the paths some of the classic zelda music starts to swell up in the background which is a really nice touch and they've got some DLC expansion packs out now, which I know some people who've already finished the game are, are well into. Um, I've got them, but to be honest, I'm still going with the main game. Um, I, I did have a bit of a break halfway through the year to quickly go back and try and finish more of Wind Wake HD because they were closing down the uh, the Miiverse system where you could send messages and bottles to each other. This will only mean anything to anyone who's played the Wind Waker HD. Yeah, wait till we go to Hamster Restaurant. <laughs> Um, but w- once I did everything I needed to do before they shut that service down, I've gone back to uh, to Breath of the Wild. Um, yeah, Hamster Restaurant is one of those mobile phone games that you can just sort of pick up and have a look at whenever you're bored, basically. And it's 
it's one of those games where you create a little village full of restaurants where your hamsters they cook in the restaurants they eat at the restaurants you can unlock restaurants with cuisines from around the world just by playing the game there's really several dishes that i'm cooking for my hamsters that i actually want to cook for myself in real life because they look really nice um but it, it's one of those completely frivolous games that is just really nice to build your little village up and mm. design it the way that you want um it reminds me a bit of animal crossing new leaf in that way which is strange because animal crossing pocket camp mm has completely failed to recapture everything that was wonderful about New Leaf. Mm. Um, it's, the whole point of, of the Animal Crossing games is that you play at your own pace. You don't have to, to go in and play them every day. Um, you build the little town as you want it and your villagers move in and you interact with them. And it's just a really nice, kind of sweet, peaceful game that you play at your own pace whenever you want to really and you're not pushed to follow through any storyline or to do anything in particular you can completely take the game in in whichever direction you want it to go and in pocket camp it's like they've forgotten that that was what was nice about it hmm. you know that the daily login rewards and things like that it's it's you never used to have any of that kind of thing in the animal crossing games you know you could go for months without playing it and you log in and you would just pick up your town where you left off. Mm. That was the beauty of it. So Pocket Camp has been a disappointment, given that I've been playing Animal Crossing games since the very first one came out. On the game, was it the GameCube, the N64? It was something ancient anyway, the very first Animal Crossing game that, that I played. And I really loved New Leaf, but I'm not really feeling Pocket Camp. Um, it's all about hamster restaurants. Mm. Um, but mainly, yeah, realistically... Zelda Breath of the Wild is the best game of the year. Yeah. It's... And you haven't started playing Mario yet? I, ha- I haven't, no. no. Um, I won't be playing because it's a, it's a single-player game. It's disappointing. Yeah. Um, because we we really loved uh, Super Mario 3D World. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. On, in co-op mode. Um, and Yoshi's Woolly World in co-op mode yeah. was really good fun. But this new Mario, there's no co-op. Um, which is kind of a shame. Yeah. So I just... Just drink now. <laughs> <laughs> we have not playing Overcooked. Overcooked is quite fun. Yeah, it's one of those kind of indie games, isn't it, which you can download for uh, for the Switch, which is quite fun. It's basically a game where I'm not sure what the maximum number of players is, um, but we play it as co-op, and and your job is to uh, get ingredients, uh, prepare the ingredients, and cook meals in sections of a restaurant and put the and put the plates out with the food on and then do the washing up and everything and you're kind of in a race against time and against obstacles which are trying to stop you getting these things done it's all kind of like um it's all uh, based on timed games and they give you sort of menus of what for example what kind of uh like plate of food you have to prepare what kind of ingredients and you have to basically move around and get it all done uh it's a bit manic it's a bit crazy but it's kind of a you know it's one of those games which I like just because you can play it for as little or as long as you want. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, you really want to get involved in a game, like, properly. Other times you just want to just spend 15 minutes doing something else uh, and play around with something like that. And it's kind of a fun game. I think I think with, you know, you know the more people involved, the better. It certainly becomes easier, I think, because uh, some of the things you just can't do very easily with just two people. Yeah. No matter what we've been trying, but 
it doesn't matter. It's a fun game to play and it's quite inventive. And I think I'm actually intrigued about... I mean, it happened on the Wii U as well. But already I like the idea of some of these indie games just starting to turn up because I think I have a natural affinity towards just more unique game simply because i you know as i was growing up i played all the things which are still going now mm. and i don't really have a desire to you know to go to go and play the you know the nth number in the iteration of you know if some property has been around for the last 25 years you know i don't i don't mind it but i really want to see if there are new games out there with you know maybe you know ones with slightly more creative gameplay in them things which aren't just you know, yeah, another iteration of something I played before. Yeah, I mean, one of my favourite games on the Wii U was Little Inferno, which was another one of these indie games, mm. um, which I'm pretty sure you can get on the Switch as well. And it's 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 nice to to play through a game without feeling like you're going to have to sink a hundred hours of your time mm. in to get to the end of something, or if you want a hundred percent a game. It's like I used to play a lot of the Lego mm. video games. Um, and I always love getting those to 100%. But after a while, they're all pretty similar. And so unless it's based on a property that you really like and they've really done a good job of spoofing the property, mm. it's it just turns into a bit of a chore. Mm. Um, I mean, to, to be honest, the best one that I've ever played was still Lego City Undercover, mm. which again was on the Wii U and again has been redone for the Switch. And actually made use of the Wii U functionality, unlike almost all other Wii U games. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> you could use you could use the uh the gamepad as like your viewing screen and you could hold it up and you could kind of look around the city and, and do weird things with that. Yeah, so it was you could... really fun gameplay. It was very funny as well in that game. Yeah, so you could use it like a scanner, so you, you hold it up and it gives you like a sort of X ray and you can see where people are hiding behind mm. buildings and stuff. And it, it spoofed a lot of kind of seventies and eighties cop shows and action movies mm. um it, it was it was very unique in that way and that it wasn't based on a specific film mm. that you just play through the chapters of to be honest these days sometimes i watch a film which i know is going to end up getting turned into a lego film mm. and it often feels like the sections of the film i think okay in the lego game that they make out of this film mm. i can see how this bit is going to be like a a big chase sequence mm. and this bit is going to be this and it just it gets into your head after a while. It, it feels like everything is being made in order to make all these different spin-off bits of it. And therefore it's all made to a very specific framework that has to be adhered mm. to. And it just all starts to seem the same after a while. Mm. Yeah. And before we sign off, there is one more show that I wanted to mention that came back this year for the very last time. Mm. Um, which is this very sort of quiet, subtle British comedy called Detectorists. And it's basically about these two friends whose hobby is going out with their metal detectors and looking for stuff. And that's basically it. It's about them and their lives. And it's mostly set out in the countryside. There's there's something almost hypnotic to it with the music and the settings mm. It's very slow paced, but you really, really feel for the characters. It isn't that kind of punchline, laugh out loud funny. It's a, it's a kind of humour that just gets under your skin after mm. a while. And it, like I said, it came back this year for the last season. And once we finished recording this episode, 
we're actually going to go and watch the very last episode that's mm. airing tonight. It's it's kind of a shame that it's ending, really. Yeah. It's, a, it's that classic British comedy thing of making less than 20 episodes of something. I think this is going to be what, 19 episodes in Something total, like that, yeah. but then, and then it's over forever, yeah. um, which must seem really strange when you get more than that in a single season yeah. of, of other comedies. But it's it's one of those things that's kind of small and perfectly formed. And I think if you get a chance to check it out, whether it's on BBC America or Netflix or, or however these things mm. end up being distributed around the world... Uh, yeah, a comedy about metal detectorists is surprisingly really lovely. Mm-hmm. So, I suppose that's about it for our vaguely one-year anniversary episode <laughs> uh, of Time for Cakes and Ale. Um, it was kind of fun just to kind of have a bit of a meandering ramble about all the stuff we've been sort of doing over the last year, our thoughts on on the podcast itself, all the things we've been branching out into and talking a little bit about what we'll be doing in the future. Um, in the immediate future, we'll be doing an episode relatively soon about the new Star Wars movie, The Last Jedi. Yes, where we're going to be rejoined by Dave. <laughs> Dave! Dave. <laughs> he joined us for the... I mean, to be honest, I don't know how... How else to describe it as, because it won't mean anything to anyone listening, but the very hard to edit Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy episode, which will only mean something to anyone who actually makes a podcast. But you know when you suddenly have, have an episode that you just can't edit, and it just, it's, just, it's just a mess. It's a mess. There's something there, but you have to cut it into something that, that is just devoid of the the tangents that make it completely incomprehensible. It's just a series of... It was bizarre. It was like probably just having having a laugh with somebody about that film during the review and then realising that we recorded way too much. And then a dude who was meant to deliver food, who's like a pizza delivery guy, <laughs> started, started talking in the background. I, I don't know what was going on. It's very, it was a very surreal a few hours and a very surreal several hours of editing afterwards. Um, but yes, that'll be out uh, relatively soon. Um, we're going to watch it tomorrow, actually. Yeah. Um, and that'll probably be our next Cakes Nail episode. But then uh, with Cherry Pie and Coffee, we will be doing, as we were saying, the final dossier at some point relatively soon, hopefully. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to get it out before Christmas now, but we'll hopefully do it sort of in the week afterwards because we've got some ideas now. It's taken a while, but we've got some ideas. Um, the Prisoner will be returning to the Tally Ho properly in 2018 and doing episodes all about uh, the original series and then branching out a little bit into some tangents in the world of The Prisoner um, but also we'll be you know, talking more I think about uh, aspects of the Kate and Elle universe that we've touched upon recently which is you know, the NaNoWriMo stuff so you know, one of our big passions is uh, you know, genre books so we read a lot of uh, sci-fi and fantasy novels and there are some reasons why that will become apparent over the next year, hopefully. Um, you know, why we've kind of um, started to talk a little bit more about that as well. I mean, it's, it is one of the things we really like, but we're hoping to do a few more episodes that go in that direction as well. Yeah, so that's it for now. We'll be back 
really very soon indeed mm-hmm. um assuming that we can edit this next episode mm-hmm. with dave in it uh probably after the weekend mm-hmm. with uh the last jedi and then beyond that with all sorts of things into the new year and hopefully this time next year we'll be handing out the 2018 cakey awards which we didn't really hand out this year no i just uh, everything that we like gets an award there you go congratulations (laughs) congratulations that's what people really want congratulations we give all the awards to hamster restaurant is that all right yeah So if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at TFCAA or on our Facebook page, Time for Cakes Nail. Uh, there's the website, timeforcakesnail.com, and you can find the podcast in all the usual places, iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, TuneIn, or the usual apps. Yeah, and if you can, you know, please uh, leave us a review and a rating. It helps kind of build the podcast world and that. Let us know what you're thinking about some of our episodes. And also, if you if there are topics that you want us to talk about in episodes as well, I mean, please do get in touch because it's always interesting to know what people think uh, might make interesting topics to talk about. I mean, it's kind of odd. I mean, all these things just, like we said right at the beginning, spun out of conversations we're having with people down the pub or at conventions and things. And um, I like that element of it, you know, coming up with random topics. So... Uh, you know, we can come up with those ourselves. But if you have any ideas, you know, please get in touch. Yeah. Until next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>